gets me going every time that's heat club with dangerous the only music i can play on the podcast about getting sued they're great for letting me use their music i don't think they've heard the podcast <laughs> i think if they heard the podcast they'd be like no 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 that can't be on that platform uh, we can't be associated with that but thank god they haven't you know thank god people lie and they say hey i listen to the podcast great stuff and then you ask them a question about it and they're like i, I I thought you just talked about Barbie. So I'm uh, really uh, grateful that I can use their music without them knowing. And I'm really grateful that I got a guest on the podcast. I think you guys are grateful, too. I got a comment the other day. Hey, your podcast is better when you have guests. All right. I get it. I'm bad at ranting for half an hour. Thank you, mom. But uh, don't 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 be worried because we got a guest today and it's not my imaginary friend. It's not even a friend. It's an, a it's a, a, a co-worker of mine in the comedy world. Give it up for mean Dave. Give it up. Friends, what are you talking about? Friends. You know? We're friends. Um, I don't know what the definition Definitely. of a friend. Sometimes I think of a friend as someone I see a lot. We can go months without seeing each other because the comedy just network is big. There's a lot of shows, you know. But yeah, I consider I you a friend if you accept me. Yeah. Friend in the okay. comedy world. No. Yeah, you know. Um, I might not be a good friend to hang out with at AA meeting, but uh, yeah, a comedy show where we're doing the same thing. And- I'm not a good one to drink with. So there you go, man. touche my friend um but yeah i uh, wanted to have you on because you are a movie lover like myself yes and i don't think i can get enough about talking about movies uh and i love the background that's one of my favorite movies i gotta watch in part everybody's favorite movie or it's it's the one of the reasons why i picked it i'm a big fan of the rewatchables podcast you've ever heard that one i only listen to mine uh you should check it out uh if you love movies because i i only found it through the pandemic as a lot of things but um right right um it's bill simmons who's like mostly known for sports he's just oh yeah okay yeah Yeah. one of his many he has like a billion podcasts and one of the one of his one of his popular ones is the rewatchables and all they talk about are movies that are highly rewatchable okay so it's like it's and they're they're a, they're a number one movie. They've had like three or four podcasts about is this motherfucker heat uh, yeah. that one. And, and they and they've even had uh, Michael Mann on the podcast when they. Oh, that's sad. It. Yeah. I just got into his older stuff like Manhunter. Yeah, Manhunter is great. Well, and um, I watched that Thief yeah, with Thief. Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. No, not my. Or no, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> or uh, what's his name? Fucking Sonny. Uh, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. God, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, oh, James Con. James Con. Yeah, James Con. Michael Caine. I was thinking about um, the one where his brother dies and he's got to go back 
the deal with the funeral and stuff. Get Carter. Get Carter. You ever seen that? No. no oh, you got to see that. That's a classic action. 70s. They remade that shit. But uh, yeah, I, with Stallone, it wasn't as good. It wasn't yeah. as good. No, I think I saw the remake, but I never saw. Never saw the Stallone. Movie. Stallone's good when he plays a pr- uh, punch drunk guy. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, Stallone's an intro is one of those weird actors because he, you know, he's he does well when he writes his own shit. Right. Um, and you know, you put him in another. He's he's one of those actors where it's like I don't know how well he's acted in. Like I I enjoy watching him in Guardians of the Galaxy because it's the most random fucking casting I've ever seen with that James Gunn likes working with him. That was I like James Gunn because a he's great uh, cinematographer um, can really turn a comic book into a movie in my opinion. I'm a fan of the Justice League, but uh, and he did Watchmen too, right? No. No, no, who that, did that? That's uh, that's Zack Snyder. Okay, they're the similar party. guys for okay. some reason. And he was but, Justice League Zack Snyder. I'm yeah. acting like I'm on the rewatchables, but uh, yeah. well, James I Gunn guess I was, was confused. Uh, Bill James Simmons Gunn, probably doesn't smoke weed like me. <laughs> uh, James Gunn's mostly. What's funny about him was he was. Uh, I would have never have guessed he would have gone into co- comic book movies because he. I, I followed him somewhat since uh, one of his earlier movies, Slither. Um, it's a, oh god, a, that was a creepy one. With Adrian Brody. Uh, I don't know. If, is he in that? I don't. I know that. Uh, I know that Nate Fillion, Nathan Fillion's in it. Oh, I like that. And, him. and yeah. Michael, uh, one of his favorite people. Uh, guy played the blue face motherfucker. Uh, he's also oh, kind of, yes. of a serial killer. Michael, whatever is it? Michael Rooker. Yeah, yeah, um, he's great. <laughs> and uh, and what's her name's in it too? Who's uh, who's really popular? Elizabeth Banks. Um, oh. Beautiful and and Slither. Uh, what's funny about that movie is I I learned about it and I I forget if there was another movie that he made, but what happens? I learned all about James Gunn from that movie because at the time that it came out, I think I was testing DVDs. I was uh, I used to be a, a I was a video game tester for many years, and for <laughs> two of those years, two and a half of those years, I was a, a DVD tester where I were I worked just watching movies on the PlayStation Two. You look uh, like a guy that worked at Blockbuster or like Tower Records. I worked. I did work at Tower for, yeah. for like less Res than Butner. a year. Res but uh, <laughs> I wasn't. But no, I was. And I was actually. What's funny about being working at Tower, though, I was an employee that was a good employee. Uh, most yeah. of the store employees were like, they thought it was cooler to be like a shitty employee, like to be rude to customers and shit. I'm like, they're the only reason we're here. Motherfucker, well, like it's a lot of kids, it's a lot of teenagers and young kids. Uh, yeah. They were just shitty employees. They all yeah. moved. Actually, actually, a movie was out at that time, Empire Records. That oh yeah, was, uh, that was that was what they were kind of modeling themselves after. And I was, I used, and I would say, I'm like, I'm like none of the characters in that fucking movie. But I could see you in another record movie, High Fidelity. I could see no, you as a no. No, I ain't no Jack Black motherfucker. I no. <laughs> it's probably the closest person, uh, and I don't I don't agree with this, but when I was in high school, uh Dazed and Confused was out, and because I was a known stoner and drug user, um, there were people that tried to act like I was I reminded them of Slater, uh, which was Rory Cochran's character. He's the stoner, long hair guy and yeah, in uh, days and confused, but I wasn't. I wasn't like, yeah, man, whatever. I wasn't one of those motherfuckers either. Yeah. I, was, I just, I mean, I smoked weed and shit, and I might have. Uh, we both didn't get laid. That's what we had in common. 
So wasn't that we had dark skin and long hair, but that was about it. And here we are talking James Gunn. Yeah, you know. Uh, so yeah, I he thought- did. You know, so James Gunn made Slither. Uh-huh. He made Slither, but uh, he goes back to trauma films. If you know trauma films, that's like uh, uh-huh. Toxic Avenger. Oh, okay. Okay, so he made Tromeo and Juliet, which was like one of their movies back then. So he's he's from this world of schlock, goofy movies, and then he got into making you know better movies that were like you know in horror and stuff. And little by little, he ended up um, accumulating his credits. And then uh, I forget, like he made Super, which I think was the movie that got him the gig for Guardians of the Galaxy, which was the the strangest thing was that those characters were like the least known. It was a it was a series made for kids, really, out of the Marvel cinema, like the Marvel world. And uh, no one expected that to do well. And that motherfucker ends up making like the best MCU trilogy out of those. So, yeah, I uh, haven't, I need to check out super. I haven't checked that out, but um, guardians of the galaxy three, I mean, probably the darkest out of the three movies. That was great. And uh, I like that the theme of it was different. You know, I like that my son got scared a little bit. Good. Yeah. 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 You know? um, and the raccoon stuff was pretty upsetting, but I kind of like movies that get you invested emotionally. That, That's the point. Yeah. You know, those, those, I mean, they were CG animals. Uh, there were some people, yeah, were trying to make a, a fucking thing about like, you know, the fact that they were, you know, doing hideous things to animals. I'm like, yeah, because they're evil. They were right. evil. They're evil motherfuckers. And, that's where Rocket Raccoon came from, was from people that were experimenting on shit, because that's what evil motherfuckers do. Right. Uh, you know who else did evil shit to animals in the real world? Serial killers. Like, that's like one of the earliest signs of serial killing is that they right. fucking are, are they, they're uh, sociopathic and they don't feel what they do to other living creatures. So they, you know, so anyways, but... uh yeah, no, I love that. I mean, that movie actually, it's funny. It's the first CG movie that actually makes me tear up because uh, yeah. Rock Story is so fucking heartbreaking. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know why anything with kids and animals kind of fucks me up. An adult getting tortured, I don't care. <laughs> that's, well, see, that's where society's conditioned to be sociopathic. So, I don't know about that. Yeah, this is going to show you I hate people, <laughs> adults. But um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's probably maybe my second favorite out of the series. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's my favorite, though. The first one's pretty fucking good. They're all good. I, I don't really, I don't get too fucking caught up in the this, that, and the other of the, what's my favorite. I like them all. I, I mean, there's definitely like Marvel movies I enjoy more than others, but. Uh, so something I read about that uh, series is fucking Vin Diesel mm-hmm. plays Groot. You know, yeah. he's got one line. I am Groot. I think he does say game. something else, right? Doesn't he say a lot of ways, else? but he says in a lot of ways because he's speaking He's, he's he's acting through I am group. Right? So you know, I read Vin Diesel got paid thirteen million per movie. Good for him, man. Way to cash a check, man. Fucking, it's more more cream he can put on his head. <laughs> right, 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 right. He still doesn't have hair, which probably pisses yeah, him off. Yeah, I understand. But um, speaking, speaking of him, I don't know if you're a fan of him or not. Did you watch the new Fast and the Furious? I did, not because I like those movies, though. I um. 
I uh, I'm not a fan of Vin Diesel by any stretch of imagination. I I'll put it this way: Vin Diesel was a good actor, and and I'm not saying he's a bad actor per se now, but what he is, what he became, was a blockbuster actor. Mm-hmm. And he, there was a time where his acting kind of took precedence. He was good in uh, Boiler Room, his early movie. Triple oh, X was pretty fucking good. Well, Triple X was yeah. that was the beginning of this this Vin Diesel persona. Yeah, that he's, that he's done, and I want to say like because he's done some good acting in his younger years, and then and and it's and the thing is he then kind of I don't know what it is he became like a modern day Stallone where right. he wanted only he didn't write any of his own shit, but he wanted to be in these franchise movies with, that are built around him. Yeah, and, you know. He he took the route. Some actors stay indie and kind of, they might do one blockbuster or two and then kind of uh, pick scripts of what is like a, might be a good movie or not. You know, stuff they're interested in. Uh, he just like you say, I think he just wants, you know, the fame he and the fortune. In, he came in making some interesting choices as an actor, but then he did. Did you see that one movie? It was I think it was after Boiler Room where like. I think he's a wise guy and he has yeah, to fly I didn't to see like that. Uh, guilty. It's like find me guilty or something like that. I, I, th- I remember there was, yeah, he played like an old wise guy. He was in like, yeah. makeup. And I have not seen that, but that's one of the movies where I think it, it people gave him credit for it, but it didn't do well. He's big on doing well at the box office. That's right. kind of what his thing is. I mean, Chronicles of, of, of Riddick or whatever, isn't that? That's one oh, of those things. were okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. He keeps aiming for these box office fuckers where someone like me, I don't like movies that are like purposefully stupid. Um, and even when they're like, at, like action nerds or whatever, I saw triple X at my friend's house and I was like, this, there's like, a, this movie feels like a tribal tattoo. And yeah, yeah, and so I can see that, that. But that's what he's going for. And Chronicles of Riddick is a sci-fi version of that shit. Um, and it, it, I forget what it's like. That's pitch, all. pitch Black, I will say, was way better than Riddick. That's what like, that's that's what that part is, right? Riddick came from Pitch Black. Yeah, yeah. But right. I thought I thought Riddick was eh, um, but Pitch Black was a, a good scary it was all part movie. Of that shit. Yeah. And it was you part know. of something that they spun off. And then but Fast and the Furious, again, that's one of those series, it became a phenomenon. That like I I had to see the early ones because I was testing them. Uh, I so I saw them and they weren't bad. They're not for me. I'm not into car shit unless it's like real cars. And there's a lot. There was a time when it was a lot more real stunt work. And they do they do push the envelope of trying to. Are you there? You froze, Dave. Oh my god, no. That was my internet. Oh, I can't believe we froze. Do fast X. So we saw fast X. And it was it's a good time. Are you there? You froze. Yeah, I'm there. I, I might have froze up. So Yeah, you froze up. Um you saw just- Fast X. That's what I'm saying. So we saw Fast X and, and I knew she was gonna pick it. So Yeah, I well, I couldn't believe the end. Which if you haven't seen it, fast it's forward. That's why, man. And I forgot I forgot I read it in the thing, but yeah, no, the end there's a lot of these movies right now, and they're uh, where they're they're two parters, and you don't find out till the end of the movie. Yeah, I kind of felt ripped off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I totally did. 
And uh, it's like they could have ended it. Like, I don't I don't need a huge. So now but now they're bringing the rock because he's got to be in the final mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And he's another guy like Vin Diesel, where I thought he was better in the early work. Mm-hmm. And then he got into steroids and just. What do you mean? Yeah. I don't know. He's always been in steroids wrestling, probably. Well, if you look back at um, him and, and Sean William Scott and that, what's that movie? Uh, the the Rundown. Run, he's smaller, you know, but as he goes, I mean, veins are popping out. I mean, it's got. Yeah, I don't know. He looked the same. I mean, he's he's always been a big dude. I mean, from wrestling. So what is your favorite rock movie? Um, it would probably be Southland Tales. Um, oh, I haven't is, seen uh, that. No, it's uh, it's the it's the second movie by Donnie Darko, uh, uh guy who made Donnie Darko, Richard Kelly, uh-huh. and he kind of ended up in movie like he ended up uh, kind of in obscurity. He made Donnie Darko, which was a huge cult hit, right? Um, and then which was not it was people didn't even know about it till it was on yet on you know DVD and VHS or whatever came a hit at home, a cult hit. And a lot of people liked it. And um, and then he had this follow-up movie called Southland Tales. It was based on comic books that were um they were it was it was very uh, satiric about our culture taking place in the future, nuclear weapons, politics, humor. Um adapting these this comic book and i heard a lot about it it's got a star-studded cast and the rock is one of them he's the main character in it however this dude ended up i guess pissing off everybody on his cast and and the director and so much so that they the the staff or the 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 cast refused to promote the movie and I love the movie, even though I think I can tell it's it's kind of a mess. It's it's a movie that like like the guy he, he that's kind of where he did with Donnie Darko. He wrote himself into a hole, and then he created this whole plane engine going through a space fucking time continuum to right. get him out of it. Well, Southland Tales is even is even more of a of a fucking mind fuck of a story of a plot. So- so if you um, get stoned, folks, do yeah, that. Oh, good luck. Good luck. I mean, I I I watch it sober. I still have trouble with it. But it <laughs> there's a lot of. But if you love movies, he's because he's like he's got a lot thrown in there from science fiction, Lynch, uh, uh, Philip K. Dick. He's got a lot of different influences that he's throwing into this movie, and it's very funny. He's got a lot of comedic people in it playing against type like he's got john lovitz playing this like cold as ice fucking uh this this police uh cop and uh and then they got like they got other a lot of other uh comedic actors in it um doing some interesting stuff so and then and some dramatic actors too stifler's in it that actually it's funny they got the rock and and sean william scott from the rundown they got them both of them in this movie and and it was it was, if you watch it it's a it's a fun it's a fun, confusing movie. So have fun with it. I could, I get the plot now, but I don't even want to bother explaining it because it's like, go watch it. 
See if you can figure it out. I, I'm glad you told me that because I do sometimes hate getting stoned and then watching a movie like a Inception or something. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I don't get what's going if, on if here. If I'm in good hands, if I enjoy the experience, I don't mind being confused. Yeah. If if I'm if but like it's funny that you say Inception because I love Christopher Nolan movies and I love his puzzles. Inception took me a few watches though, because there were like right. oddly enough, the first three times I watched Inception, I, I didn't see it in the theater, I saw it at home. I kept falling asleep. <laughs> right, right, right. And I wrote a joke about how I kept falling asleep. That one, stuff. what's the one he did with time? That one confused the hell out of me. I still got to rewatch that. Time. Uh, with uh, Denzel Washington's kid. Um. Oh, Tenet. That's the Tenet. one for this one. That's not that long ago, man. That no, I know, but that one was confusing. Oh, it is, but it's, it's. I mean, I, I actually... That's one that one with all of his puzzle kind of framework mm -hmm. in it. I understood that movie pretty much the first watch, even though I, I saw it a few times. I saw it in the theater, actually, because that was you know, that was the only movie that came out during the pandemic. So, oh, cause, wow, because all wow. those all the movie theaters were shut down and then a few <laughs> of them were opening up mm -hmm. when uh, when they were trying to relax COVID restrictions. And that movie came out in theaters and ended up it did. Terribly, not because of its own. I mean, I actually was saying after the success of uh, Oppenheimer, they should re-release Tenet in theaters, like because just to kind of like give it yeah. another chance to audiences after they're like, you know, the his, movie, his movies are best watched in theaters. I I'm showing yeah. my I'm showing my kid, which is this is one of the fun things about having a kid is you could show him movies, great mm -hmm. movies, and talk to him about it. And yeah. we're doing The Dark Knight. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You those know, and I forgot how great those are, but really you need, I don't have a sound system. You really need a fucking sound system. Yeah, you can enjoy, I think a good story. That's the thing. A lot of people get into all the leads of all that shit. Those are fun. If you want that, you go to the theater. That's why you go to the theater. Obviously though, you can't, I mean, those movies are older movies. They're not going to be playing in theaters regularly. Um, Did you see Oppenheimer? Yeah. I've seen it four times. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet. Did you see, see it? Um, he released it in a couple different versions, right? No, he, I mean, he released it. Uh, not, I don't know about different edits, but I know that they're in different film stocks. There's, yeah, that's what I meant. Regular, like, yeah, you can see it in IMAX. You can see it in 77 millimeter or 70 right. millimeter, which uh, he recommends. But there's 70 millimeters is basically seeing it in the film stock that um similar to uh if you if you went to the to the uh, hateful eight screening uh back in the day back in 2016 when hateful eight got released um they did the the road show the 70 millimeter road show run of it where you got to see it uh in 70 millimeter and the cool the, the cool thing about seeing it in those in 70 millimeter because he has it in black and white and in color throughout the movie like it trades yeah. off and um, I just saw a movie that was a digital um, or it was it was digitally screened because it was in a digital theater. But it was an older movie uh, that I forget how old it was, was Lord of the Rings. I saw Lur uh, Return of the King. They did a screening of it at my at the uh, cin Cinemark near where I live. And I snuck into movies all day. So I was like, oh, I want to get into the fucking Lord of the Rings at the end. So I, I snuck into movies literally all day. I was there from like 11 a.m. till fucking 1130 at night. And um, I went and uh, 
what was strange was watching this movie that I forgot was shot on film, as you can tell. And right, you can right. see it in the graininess and the and and I, the so when you see something in 70 millimeter, you're seeing it in film. You're seeing it shot with the frames per second. And there is a I there's I believe there's a subconscious difference. I but I'm not that I, I I care like I like seeing a movie that that looks like it's a it's a, a film movie, but I'll go see a movie shot digitally. I'm not I'm not that you know taken out of the movie because it looks too clean or something. So, yeah, yeah. Or but there is something about that graininess. It almost brings a little more real to it. Yeah, no, and there's, there's the color and all that shit. I get why motherfuckers are way into into film. Um, and Tarantino actually, because uh, he was talking on this rewatchables podcast, he was a guest on there. Uh, they did three movies together, uh, recording episodes. And when they were talking about, um, they mentioned like what's why, um, why certain, why a lot of even esteemed cinematographers go digitally versus film. Um, he said, he goes, I know why. And, he, and he's like, why? He goes, the, uh, they don't have to set up lights. Like the, the whole reason that a lot of cinematographers, even damn good ones who know their shit with, with film, um, it is, you have to work a whole lot harder to get the lighting right to line up a shot. And that takes right. more time. It takes more you know money and staff and all that. Whereas digitally, a lot, you can do so much more. You have a lot more freedom and you don't need as much light all around. So, you know, doesn't all Tarantino movies come film? Because I feel like yeah. I, I he, saw. He only, yeah, he only does film. Yeah, because I remember seeing that double feature. When did that come out? Oh, nine. That was uh, Grindhouse was 2007. I remember seeing that and that was a game changer. I mean, I mean, not I really. Know, it, it, was. Was a tribute. <laughs> it was a tribute to the, the past, but it was like. It bombed, too. That's what the game changer was. Oh, really? Because I thought Dude, it was that amazing. That scared Tarantino, man. That's the funniest. Like, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I, 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 thought it was, I thought it was great. Oh, no. Anybody, the thing that, it's funny that you bring that movie up, because I, I find that to be, like, one of the, it was, it was one of those times where I hate movie audiences, uh, and they've done this a couple of times, or a few, uh, more than a couple of times, um, where... And I, I agree it might have been in the marketing of it. There's a lot behind that movie. But Grindhouse basically was what, what should have been a slam dunk because you have two filmmakers in their prime, right. Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, working together to make two uh, appear, like basically paying homage to all the low budget schlock cinema of the past and their influences and all that. Um, and good movies too. Like they, they're into like, you know, John Carpenter and all that shit, but they were paying homage to all of it. You're getting two movies right. for the price of one, two movies, right. right? The fact that motherfuckers couldn't understand that Grindhouse wasn't one film that you're going to see called Grindhouse. It is an experience that you're going to see two fucking movies by two top notch directors. Right. You don't even have to see both of them. You could watch Planet Terror and bounce. Or you could show up late, still buy a ticket, and go see Death Proof. Or you could see both, like I did, fucking most of the time. And I, I, I love Death Proof uh, more, which, like, over right, me too. watching it. But I loved them both. And then they had the trailers and the whole thing. It was fucking great. The thing, the thing, about, and, uh, uh, that what, thing about that what, Planet Terror is... Planet Terror, yeah. That was Rodriguez's one. 
Right. I I think because Quinn has talked about writing a Star Trek um, that would he's be like a rated R yeah, version. Yeah. yeah, he's not going to do it, but he, he wanted to. Yeah. But just seeing that movie, maybe have Rodriguez direct it, it'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. It would be. I, thought, I mean, he did a Predators, so he, he knows the... He knows oh, how to he do did. Stuff. And you know what? Um, uh, he did Spy Kids, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, he did all the Spy Kids movies. Shark, Shark Boy and Lava Girl or whatever. Oh, really? He did He's that, big too? on making... <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know what he made that uh, a lot of people forget about was Alita. Am I still there? You're freezing, so I don't know. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, this might be fucked up. Hang on. No, you're good. I'm moving. Okay. <laughs> Weird. Cause yeah, your face yeah, froze on mine. So, yeah, I have terrible Wi-Fi sometimes here. This fucking wonderful palace i live in um the no he made alita the battle angel mm. which is what i saw it it did okay it made isn't its money back isn't that a cartoon it's not a cartoon no it's a live action movie but it has oh. a it has uh, a face that's digitally uh altered and oh. that's animated but um but the whole like everything else is and there's a lot of digital in the world but yeah. it's an action movie. It's a movie that James Cameron wanted to make. Oh, oddly sure. enough, it's based on a, based on a manga, uh, Japanese manga or whatever. Yeah, I've never, yeah, yeah. I haven't read it or anything. But um, he he made the choice that it was either he was going to do Avatar or Alita Battle Angel, and he went with Avatar. But he still wanted uh, Battle Angel made, and Robert Rodriguez is the one who ended up uh, directing it. Um, when he and Cameron produced it and he loves the story so much that even though it was a modest, it wasn't a hit. It just did enough. It did well enough to like, like, okay, it made its money back. And then some, it was not a blockbuster by any means. They're still going to make the sequel. Cause it's, there's a cliff. It's a bad cliffhanger in that, like not bad, but like, it's a cliffhanger. Like it gets to a point just like this one. I didn't know it was a two parter. And I'm like, God damn it, man, there's more to this fucking yeah. story. So, right. and, um, but yeah, so, but, but, but the funny thing about, about Grindhouse, yeah, that movie bombed big time My and God. no one knows why no one, no one could point to why. Um, but here's the thing, the rumor was that a lot of the, the promotion was kind of hindered because if you look back in time, <laughs> one of the main actors in it was, uh, what's her name? Rose McGowan, mm-hmm. who we look, we know now who championed a lot of the Me Too movement uh, because she was uh, raped by Harvey Weinstein uh, and that her relationship with Weinstein and that, that or, or lack of. And pro- probably, probably was raped by Marilyn Manson too. Yeah. Who kn- well, I mean, that's a whole other bag of apples. We don't know yeah. if I that, but no, Rose McGowan based on, they had such a awkward relationship Weinstein wanted not her that wanted her to not even be involved in Grindhouse, and they put her both in in both movies, mind you. So, and not only that, but uh, Rodriguez ends up in a relationship with her. So the rumor was <laughs> that he, was, he wasn't uh, that Wein, Weinstein was was kind of purposefully tanking some of the promotion uh, to hurt the film. That was some of the rumor. But I don't. He got, know. He got jealous. She started fucking someone else. I, the thing is, is I don't even know. I knew about the movie. I'm a fan of both guys. I, I think, yeah. I think other. I think there were fans too that were out there. But the trouble was, your your average everyday movie goer exactly exactly wasn't as well informed. 
Like they didn't know exactly what was going on with, with Grindhouse. And they, and they brought the families and they were all concerned. There were people that brought kids. That was the other thing, right. man. Even though, yeah, it wasn't a hit, but motherfuckers tried to bring their kids. So. Well, it's like if they knew it was kind of a, not, I don't want to say indie, but kind of, you know, what it, what it was. I, you know, there's a lot of people in America we forget about that want to see those dumb movies. Hang on, let me time out. I'm going to switch. I have this other uh, with the internet. I'm going to try and see if this works better. Hang on just a second. Okay. Technical difficulties, let folks. Let me see if this works better. It's just okay. they have two internets here and sometimes the other okay. one works better. So, um, you know, you have a lot of people that want to see dumb movies and I bet you a lot of people just win like, oh, my God, Alfred, and there's blood. And, you know, you can't just go into one of those movies and not know what you're getting yourself into. And if you don't like like my wife isn't a fan of those movies, my you know, I know people that aren't, you know, I took my wife. Uh, my wife is very I should be quiet. She's very sensitive when it comes to movies like uh, like horror movies, especially like bloody ones. I took her to go see us. Because we oh, yeah. liked, we yeah. liked the um, Get Out, Get Out, you know. Yeah. And so I take her, and she hates horror movies. And oh my, yeah. if you know that movie, it's a fucking horror movie. And, uh, and in, seen, nope, that was a bloodless, fairly bloodless horror film. And then in the in the uh, during the movie, she goes, "I want to leave." I mean, she's like loud about it. And then afterwards, I made her stay in there. And then afterwards, she's like, "I'm never going in the movies like in front of people like that was gross." And I loved it, you know. Yeah, I liked it too, except for the ending. I didn't, I didn't like his M Night Shyamalan explanation of everything. I, I, I thought the movie would have been better if they just like kind of didn't explain what was going on and just let 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 it kind of be felt. Kind of like Stephen King. Yeah, in a way. Or I mean, it's just, yeah, I, mean. I thought because Jordan Peele, I think, is a hell of a filmmaker, but he got uh, he got kind of cursed by his own success of Get Out, where again it was like. Yeah, he brought all these people to the movie, but but the thing was was uh, us confused people anyway, and right. I liked it. I, that right. was one of those examples where I was like, "Dude, he's fucking nailing it with this movie." And then right. when it got closer and closer to the end, I'm like, "Oh no, he's gonna fucking explain everything that's going on." Like, there's a reason, right. like, what exactly is happening? I'm like, I don't need to know that. Enough of the movie has happened the way that it's happened. That it almost felt like if you would have just ended it with no explanation, I would have. That would have been a brilliant movie. Or like you leave an explan uh, explanation with like a little clue, okay. like a lab coat or something. You know what I mean? Little little clue, like is it like this? Is it right? Right. Ambiguity of the movie was what I loved about it, and then he went ahead and had to fucking you know. Well, this is these are the nuts and bolts of what happened. I don't need to fuck. I don't need that shit. So I hated the the way it ended. I love that it was in Santa Cruz. That was cool. But it was still, it was just, that was just one of those things because he did it and get out. And that's, again, it was, I was like, oh, great. He's going to be another M. M Night Shyamalan where, because that was the big hit. Now he's going to like mirror that hit in every movie. So I liked uh, Nope. Yeah, I like Nope. I like better than us. I I thought, again, like I don't really know what I would like, but I don't really watch, I'll put it this way. I don't rewatch get out. I don't really rewatch us. Yeah. Watch no. Some yeah. Watch more often, but his movies are, are kind of like tend to be a little more one and done with me. Um, I don't really watch them, rewatch them a whole lot. It's strange. 
I like Nope because I like the um, the build up to it, like not knowing really what's going on, you know. Um, and like it was one of those movies I could watch with the wife, you know. It wasn't really gruesome and stuff, you know. Personal reasons, right there, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what he does next. Um, I think it's cool that he's like a new newer kind of filmmaker that. Um, his movies are interesting, you know. I mean, the guy's been around a while now. He's been that's the thing. He's he uh you know, I forget his first chapter of his career was comedy sketches, you know, with Key and Peel. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying in this realm. Yeah, you know, uh, it's I think it's funny that he he's one of those dudes where again there's these we were seeing like a this odd thing happen with uh certain people that like get their name in comedy and then they're like moving into films that are more horror based, which uh, like Danny McBride, you know, known right, right. comedy and all of the and all of the the stuff him and Jody Hill are doing on HBO with uh, you know, from Eastbound Down to the Righteous Gemstones and Vice Principals. And then now he, him and David Gordon Green, who worked with them oh, a yeah. lot in their films, uh, they are big. They've made three Halloweens, one of which I like the other two. Oh, wow. Uh, and then now they're they're uh, now they're move, take, throwing their hat in the Exorcist. They're doing a, a new oh, wow. one out uh, that's coming out in a few months that looks promising, even though there's CG in it. I uh, will. Oh, there's a trailer for it. Like the trailer, yeah. It's, oh, it's, I gotta check it, it out because that movie scared me as a kid. I think it scared a lot of people. That was well done. That original. I had yesterday, man. The guy, the director, or no, today. Uh, it was announced today. William Freakin, the director of The Exorcist. Um, passed away. It sucks because I, I hope he saw the I hope he saw the new one before he passed. So yeah, he's definitely going to help. But um, <laughs> but uh, no, um, you know, one movie that is a classic horror movie that I watched the remake. I think it came out in 06. That I thought was pretty good. Was the Omen? Oh yeah, Omen's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah was- with Leave Shriver. I think was the main guy in it. Richard Donner. That was one of his early films. Yeah, I I didn't see the other ones, but I thought that was a good concept, like the devil trying to become president and shit. No, it was. I mean, it was good. It was a good psychological, you know, horror film with you know had some blood in it too. But it was the story. Good psychological horror movie that actually it wasn't really horror. This one, it was more thriller that actually my wife liked too. Invisible Man. That one, no, it's funny about. You mean the new one, right? The new one with the chick, yeah. And had some blood in it too, man. Your wife's yeah. a little suspect with her. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Funny about the Invisible Man, and I, I because that movie came out right before the pandemic. I remember. Right, it. right. Remember the thing about that movie? I remember I was watching it with my buddy, one of my good buddies from recovery, and mm-hmm. and there was there was a string of these movies out, and I'm forgetting all the other ones, but what became really popular was uh these movies of, about gaslighting uh a female character like a, a female character in the lead who's being heavily gaslit and i want to say they were like patriarchy horror films right and i'm mean, leading the charge was invisible man because and i'm watching it and it's two hours long it's a long movie and yeah. when you get to that end man you're just like you better kill that motherfucker and um and they do and the reason why i said i i was telling my friend this is a movie that I want to say the horror isn't what's going on in the movie. The movie is really depicting 
what it's like to be a woman in, in, right. in our because there's so many moments in, and plus we never even get to know the, the male character, the invisible man. Yeah. I don't know anything about him. We don't, we don't. Oh, know. the end is great though. We don't get into his character. We don't get into anything about him. It is solely yeah. about uh, Elizabeth. What's her name? Plan oh. yeah. And, and just her journey of not being believed. And even after she proves that he was doing this shit, they still don't believe her ass. Like yeah. when they, the, 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 they <laughs> got him and they don't, they, they don't. And she's like, they don't, you know, Hey, there's something else going on. They're like, hey, you were right about there being a completely invisible man that pulled all this shit, but let's slow down lady. And they, she was still right again. So I'm that's, like, Hey, that's exactly really? why my wife liked the movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. driving it home of what it's like, I feel to be a woman in this culture where you're just surrounded by people who don't believe you because you're a woman, you know? Yeah. I, um, it's funny is, uh, I went, uh, for like a night walk jog. I'm trying to get in shape and there was a guy walking with no light. It's pitch black. I have a flashlight on. I think it's weird to be out and about with no kind of light. Mm -hmm. And it kind of scared me. And in my head, I was like, this guy could kill me. Or I didn't think rape because I'm not that hot. But um, it made me think like, oh, shit, this is what chicks go through, you know, but during the day. (laughs) So, yeah, I like movies like that. that gets you gets the other gender thinking and also is done really well. And that's Lee Wanell, who uh, he's mostly. I mean, he's known for a lot by now, but uh, you'll his biggest contrib- contribution to uh, to to film and are the Saw movies. He's oh okay of many, uh, and I believe he directed a few of them. But he's he's the writer and producer. Him and James Wan are like the guys that were way like behind those, those those movies got really gruesome number one was good but i thought after that they started getting crazy you got a new one coming out too uh oh you know what one i didn't see i don't i think it was called something else the one with chris rock as the detective i saw that i saw that, that good all right i mean it was it's weird that they tried to do like his spiral is from the saw universe and it's inspired right. it's even the the crime itself is inspired by Saw, and so I was kind of prepped for like how it played out. But they did that movie, and now they're going back to the Saw well. They're doing Saw X or whatever. That one's coming out. Okay. I'm like, or I thought you already did ten, so I, I don't know. Right. I haven't even. I haven't, I watched them all. I did a binge where I watched all the Saws during the pandemic. I remember doing that. Now, uh, does watching that many horror movies fuck with your head at all? Not at all, dude. No. I don't. It, it's not that it fucks with my head. It, it, well, yeah, it'll fuck with my head with bad writing because they're they're not all good. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's not that they're terrible. Um, it's it's the only thing is I I enjoy what what's funny to me was to watch them all in succession and to see because what they do is they write every one of them writes you know up to a certain point and they have their reveals now what your next one is building upon the previous one but the pu- the big puzzle for the writers of, of each one is uh is how do they lay the groundwork for whatever is going to happen in the sequel so in and each subsequent sequel you have character explanations and whatnot and then you have characters from the past coming back yeah you, you okay. a lot of because because the whole point is they need a reveal 
that it nothing will ever top the reveal of Saw One. I'll, I fucking will say this time and time again because Saw One did such a great job. Yeah, uh, that was a good movie. I went on a date with this one chick who, uh, who claimed she would have blown me in the theater, but I was like, even if you tried, the movie was too good. Um, right. So the, <laughs> I remember watching the 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 thing. Nerd alert! <laughs> first in a long time where they had a, a reveal in the movie. And you heard an audible gasp in the crowd because yeah. it suspected that the dead body on the ground, if it's spoilers, by the way, if you haven't seen Saw, go yeah, fuck come on. Yeah. But, uh, the, no one suspects that it's the dead body on the ground. Right. You've been watching it the whole time. Right. That body gets up and you're just like, holy fucking shit. Because it, mm. it was simple. It was just right there in front of your face the whole time. That's up there with that... Um one movie from the early nineties where the, the gimp guy was actually the, the guy behind everything suspect. That's one of them. Yeah. But, I, um, you know, I, 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 it was a reveal, but I remember thinking like, I, I wasn't as into usual suspects was cool. It was a cool movie, but it was also one of those movies that when it came out, that was a post Tarantino movie. Like there were a lot of movies that were that, uh, cause the language, the dialogue in it, they're all like, it was a lot of real male, mod, like, you know, Oh, go fuck yourself. Suck my dick. Oh, you suck right. my a lot of that kind mm-hmm. of shit. And that's all people trying to be Tarantino. So I wasn't as interested in usual suspects, but saw was just a good, like, again, simple horror film puzzles and, right. and just trying to be like, how the fuck, what the fuck's going to happen? And then, and Lee Wanell plays the writer. He's mm-hmm. the other guy in that room. Like, so, uh, oh, okay. As you know, from yeah, it's a pride and all that shit. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one guy, but the other guy that no one knew—that's Lee Wanell, the writer. He's the oh, guy okay. who directed Invisible Man. He's he's done a lot of good movies. Uh, another movie he made that's pretty good is called Unsane. Uh, it was kind of a, a small, a low budget horror film um, that was not bad. Yeah, you at the end of this podcast, you have to tell me there's a couple movies I need to to check out, but not Unsane. The- Wrong. He didn't make Unsane. Somebody, uh, Steven Soderbergh, I think, made Unsane. But uh, oh, he's good. But he made another. He made a movie that was like Unsane. And I'm forgetting what it is. But yeah. Now I don't know if you like him. This is my kind of style horror. That he made a couple good ones. I would say he probably made a lot of B movies. Is Eli Roth? What are you fucking talking? Eli Roth's great, man. Yeah. You're gonna preface that. Shit. I love Eli Roth. Uh, yeah, that hostel. I mean, I'll never forget when I saw that. That was a great one. Green Inferno. Uh, I even loved the movies that he that he made that were uh, he did the um, he did the remake of uh, what you call it, Death Wish, and I like that the Bruce Willis Death Wish. Was that good? I enjoyed it because because the originals were. I can go on about the the originals are great. Eli took it. He I think he I think it did all right, but he got kind of some heat for it. They got bad reviews. And I was like, dude, Bruce Willis was the perfect guy to put in a Charles Bronson role originally. And and what he did was there's another movie called Death Sentence. Actually, there's Oh, with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. And that was directed by James Wan of oh, um, okay. um James Wan. And Death Sentence is more okay. closer to the original source material. This was a book first. Oh, okay. So it's closer to the original source material that Death Wish was based on. And then Eli Roth went and I think he took uh, he made his own death wish like it was Eli Roth's death wish kind of thing. 
And I, I, but there's moments in it that are pure Eli Roth. It's not a horror movie, but there's some horrific moments in it that I'm like, um, Roth you, know, you know, you can't, I hate to say it, but it kind of needed to be in it is that rape scene in the original death wish. I mean, you want to kill him the, the, right now is there's a lot of that where it's not that it needed to be in as much. It was a different toned movie. Like the death wish was a hard boiled movie from a different time that people were comfortable with despicable acts being, being portrayed in cinema. Oh yeah. You can't really show that now, but it gonna, gets you so upset. I mean, yeah. what would you, you would do some shit like that. If someone, ha- you know what I mean? That's part of the, part of the, yeah, that's part of the, the, the motivation. Right. The thing about today is that if you're going to do, portray certain acts in the movie you need to you need to have a level of clout that uh, just and it's it because you want to know what's funny it ain't the censors it ain't the mpaa it's the audiences today that will judge for you know firsthand judge your movie on social media and all that shit if there is and and i get and you know understandably so um i don't think i've I, there's any movie that i watch that has you know uh, a heavy a heavy. So I don't watch movies that frivolously throw rape in there that it doesn't have like a purpose in the. Right. Right. Uh, however, the way that the way that people are today, that they, I mean, literally, people behave as though as though movies are real events, and that you know that we that if uh, you, you need to have you know people who actually are the. The, the the characters in the movie they need to have all the same attributes as that. and I'm like I don't fucking care I like I like play acting I like seeing right. what, what do on screen I'm I get the racial fucking shit where I, yeah that makes a little more sense and and definitely disabled I think that we they do need to to do more to get disabled actors they, but they got they got rid of some disabled parts with the new uh, Snow White it's not gonna be Seven Dwarves anymore. That's what I heard. And I don't know. I, I, that's and you know something. I I would rather hear from somebody who's part of the little people. Right, community. right. I'm just saying they took away some jobs from little people. That's all I'm gonna say. You know what? I, who knows how they would have done it? Because you know what they're doing with this new fucking Willy Wonka. They didn't put any little people. They they got fucking Hugh Grant playing a a, a fucking Oompa Loompa. He's no dead. way. Out of face, his face digitally on an Oompa Loompa. So I'm like, you know. So the the, the shit that they do now it's like, it's not about, you know, they want to make it about sound like, Oh, they're taking away the dwarves or whatever. And it's like, they probably would have anyway. I mean, cause you know, as far as the work that, that would be, you know, given to a little person playing that role, it, who knows? And I, and again, I don't have, I, as far as my opinion, I'm not that. Uh, we're, we're, we're in the, but we're in the comp. So I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Right. We're in the comedy world, though. We see the sensitivity. And I mean, it's great with social media and everything that people have a voice. But, you know, it's a it's a two edged sword that that like we know, like it's uh, it, it just kind of sucked that people have so many opinions and movie no. makers can just make movies. Oh, about sensitivity right here, though. What this is about is 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 corporations wanting to maximize their dollars in. Yeah. yeah. A, but they what they want people in the seats. So what they're they're hedging their bet. Okay. So the 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 uproar that people wanted 
think they have over, oh, they, they took out the door. First off, nobody's watching fucking Snow White these days that heavily. Be like, man, them fucking dwarves, man. They make the fucking Snow White pop. Like, no one's watching Snow White, the old cartoon, that heavily these days. The only people who might be that connected to the Snow White cartoon, the last of them are our generation. And right. watching Snow White, no. I don't give a fuck about Dumpy, Grumpy, whatever the fuck. Right. However, the, the what they're doing, all Disney is, it's funny, I did a comedy show and this guy was in the front. He was this heavily tattooed, looking like a bouncer motherfucker, right? And he's loving my act, which I'm shocked by. This was in Santa Cruz, the crow's nest. And he's there with this girl. And I lead into uh, what was going to be my Beauty and the Beast joke. And I, I did like kind of something little different where i brought up disney and i said what do we have a disney crowd here huh is there we got disney heads and i'm looking and he is shaking his head left and right like just like no dude i'm like oh right on somebody who hates disney in the front right here with this girl like you got a girl that looks like she loves going to disneyland like what what why do you hate disney and the funniest answer came out he says they groom kids bro like, so he's one of these fucking dudes. It's like kind of falling for the QAnon line of logic that like Disney has been bro- grooming kids for what? Cause this is exactly what I, I, I kind of, I don't remember exactly my response. I went on with the bit. I didn't pay mm-hmm. attention. The only grooming Disney's doing they're a mass market corporation. Disney is grooming your kids to want to spend more fucking money on Disney as they get older. They want you to buy oh, their. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a guy. Hey, that's a guy. That's all they're grooming you for. They're not grooming you for anything other than to spend your fucking money. Like every other fucking corporation, your targets, your all these and all movies are okay. All these fucking movies today, because blockbusters have made studios way too greedy. And it's a good thing that some of these movies I've been kind of enjoying it. Because I love going to the movies. I love a blockbuster that's good. But when I see a blockbuster that like people were banking on, like the Flash that just came out, they were banking on that movie, man. And it did not do well. And it's still a good movie. But the audiences were trying to. I, I loved it. It was my son's like, it's one of his favorite movies now. Great time, man. And the fact that people were still trying to like shit on it. It was it was boggling to me. And then there was other movies that they were expecting to be hits that weren't hits. And I'm like, you want to know why? Because you're spending way too much fucking money overloading this. The every fucking year and every month you've got these attempted blockbusters. You're not you're not spending money on the smaller stories like you used to, because for every one of those movies, you could have probably spent 10 million, 20 million, 40 million on a smaller story with a reasonable budget, reasonable cast, and probably made 10 times that much, depending on what your return was, and how, and just it being a good movie, uh, just a good story. That's what Kevin Smith made his fucking bones on those types of movies. And right. the fact that they're, they want everything to be a goddamn block, but everybody's wanting to win the trifecta every fucking time with a goddamn movie, and so they hedge their bets by by wanting to not offend anybody that's their whole thing they're trying all this shit is with the you know everybody's trying to make it seem like it's about wokeness and all it's like it ain't about wokeness it ain't about any fucking political correctness it's about getting the most money out of the market that's out there and disney 
being that they, they want to seem like they're progressive. They ain't progressive. They're a fucking mass worldwide trillion dollar corporation. They have no fucking soul. They just want more money. And there's more money in, in, in a variety of ethnicities in the movie, in a variety of, of you know, from gender to everything else. They want the, the more that there is uh, diversity in the film, more people want to see it throughout the world. Not just in America. Well, and can, you could say that about everything, I guess, is, uh, you but, know, I'm only pointing out, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's their thinking. That's all they're thinking is, is they just and then it comes to stories. Yeah. You you know, if, like, oh, you're going to you're going to throw rape in there. Can't we just do like a like a like a something crime? Because rape really is going to turn off half of our audience. That's what they're right. Right. They, they, they're making stories too much in the boardrooms, hedging their bets about who will come to see the movie rather than telling an effective, good story. You don't have you have less and less of filmmakers like Tarantino who and, and Martin Scorsese and other other filmmakers where they're where the value of their vision, even Scorsese still has a hard time making a movie. That dude has made quality films. All of his bombs are better than some of the blockbusters that are out there. But at the same time, it's not they don't care about that shit. They care about their bottom line. And there are some people that do care about artistry in the in in film and doing that. But vast majority of these studios and everything else, they only they only spend money to make money. And they think the more money they spend, the more chance that they can make a bigger return. And most of that logic is wrong. That's been old Hollywood thinking forever. So So where do you see it going in the future? Do you see it keep growing? I think it'll be the same thing that happened in the 70s, uh, in the 60s to the 70s. I think we're experiencing, like kind of right now, something similar to the 60s, where blockbuster money, if you look at cinema, uh, it's it's one of the most, you know, it's it's one of the most um, obvious things that's kind of happening, where uh, in the 60s, in the 50s and 60s, studios were getting more confused because everything that was their formulas were not were not returning as well in their from their their grandiose movies to their to their film noirs and all these other the westerns. Um, a lot of their straightforward storytelling wasn't working. There was only one guy who was kind of doing well, and that was Alfred Hitchcock, um, who was like Tarantino before Tarantino. But um, when it came to to the 70s, what happened was uh, late 60s, I should say. Um, there were movies such as Easy Rider and 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 the and all of the filmmakers that became part of that that wave from uh your Francis Ford Coppola, your Martin Scorsese's, um, your uh uh Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, and and then other other like Joe Dante and other filmmakers who really uh became bigger in the 70s and 80s. A lot of them, the guy who thrived was Roger Corman. Roger Corman was a producer and a filmmaker, but he was making all of those uh, low budget. He was he specialized in grindhouse movies, um, but a variety of movies with low budgets that were all about making their money. It was uh, New World Pictures was his uh, was his uh, I think it's New World Pictures. Um, well, I was one of them. There was another one. I'm forgetting the name of his, his older company. But so he um, he he invests in a lot of people's early talent he would get people that he knew could do some shit but on a low budget who had you know no resume get him working in there and those motherfuckers james cameron uh guys like i believe he he directed piranha too he directed the sequel to piranha which joe dante directed um you got 
people that were getting their education in film working for Roger Corman with low budgets, making effective stories that made a profit. That's all Corman gave a fuck about was a profit. And it didn't have to be much, but it just had to make a profit. And, and then, and kept doing that. And he taught so many people or had people learning how to make movies. It was basically like everybody coming in and making clerks, you know, but not, not story-wise, but they're making low budget movies left and right. And, and um, so, and then the, the movies that then became successful in the seventies were these low budget hits such as easy riders, such as uh, uh, you know, mean streets. And uh, there's a lot of movies in the seventies. And then, the birth of the blockbuster came from those, those very same directors then having massive hits with the Godfather, with uh, the exorcist and jaws. Those were the three and then star Wars after that. So those were like the four movies that gave birth to the blockbuster. So you got me, but you got me excited that we might get some really great indie movies. Is there any movies you recommend that people aren't really talking about that are indie. Not today. I don't know. I mean, there, the, there's been some movies. I, the thing is, it's not so much. That I see like indie movies. What I see is, uh, they, the studios, because the studios killed, um, people's ability to make they'll they're, they, you can always make a low budget movie. It's about having a forum to get it seen. And so what I'm excited about that can happen. And I think will happen again. It's just studios reminding themselves that they don't have to spend so much money on like they need to kind of like be a little bit more. I want to say like kind of like how we're trying to be earth conscious. They need to be movie conscious that that not everything has to be a fucking blockbuster because it's all all the power. They're the ones, you know, signing off, spending money or whatever you can. If you look at how things have played out, I think the future will is can be an even balance of just quality filmmaking with low budgets and larger budgets. And, and because there are people, you know, who made fucking movies on low budgets forever that people loved, even though he's constantly being like, there's all new kinds of creepy shit about him every other fucking week. But Woody Allen, that's a dude that was a guy who constantly made low budget movies. That everybody would go to see and see yeah. his profit, even his worst ones. Um, is it's just uh, having people that can like right now the fact that Greta Gerwig, who made Lady Bird, there's a low budget movie, um, and she made Lady Bird, and and now she's the first woman to have a film that's it, granted it's backed by a huge uh, uh, intellectual property, you know Barbie being one of the biggest intellectual properties, you know right there with Transformers and GI Joe and all that shit but it never had a movie. And here they made this movie that was a combination of, of both joy for the product and criticism of the product in one. And they did a great job. They made a very entertaining film that like took the, took all of that and put it all in the movie and made it Barbie and true to the, to the nature of what it's, what it's pluses and it's minuses are. And it made it very entertaining. I saw it twice. Man. I thought it was funny that it was like the one movie that nerds didn't dress up for, but like hot women. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's a lot, but it embraced, there's a lot of people that are into Barbie that are part of the, the, the LGBTQ plus, 
you know, it, like there's a lot in that movie that I think that's uh, why, you know, some of the, the anti-woke element was all trying to try to come out again. I'm like, good luck with that shit, man. It's a fun movie. And that's part of what I think is highly misunderstood about what people, what the, what people's agendas are. I'm like, no one's interested in your trash ass kids, motherfucker. What we're trying, what the only people that really, what, what, what's funny is uh, a lot of that talk is the most toxic to their very own kids more so because it, it's teaching hate and all that. Um, you have, you have kids that might even that have that, that are gay, that are trans, that are, that have, that are learning about the bigotry of their own parents. And they either have to act along to go along with it and further suppress their shit and find their community and their voice later. Um, it, it's just, it's, it, bigotry is always, you know, it's always has a, has a ridiculous, stupid cycle. Anyways, but my point being with Barbie is that it's bought Greta Gerwig a lot of leeway now in her filmmaking. She's still going to have trouble making films. Cause that's the lot of, that's what filmmaking always is. But because um, meanwhile, there's the guy who made Babylon, which I fucking love. If, if you didn't go see Babylon, you're missing out, man. Got to see fucking nude, nude. Uh, uh, you got to see Barbie naked, man. She's in it naked. Fucking a man. Who didn't want to go see Margot Robbie flash a boob, man? I mean, she was great in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> but, um, but also and she's great in that movie, though. And she the, the characters in that movie. And that was about cinema and the death of a lot of elements in, in our cinema and where it's going today, but through this great grandiose movie, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I was, I was not surprised. A lot of people didn't go see it, but I still enjoyed it myself. It came, didn't it come out during the pandemic? Oh, Babylon was last oh. year. Man. Babylon oh, was out wow. here and was not doing well. So it was, uh, it was one of those movies that was like kind of hyped. Cause I forget the directors, like uh, a guy, he's a foreign dude, but, um, He's his other movies were like it, this was like his big. He made Whiplash. That's his movie. That oh, I love that movie. Yeah, really, we're hyped on. Um, so the question I wanted to end on is when do we see Mean Dave in a movie? I've been in a movie, motherfucker. I've been in two. Yeah, they're not they're not hits. <laughs> <laughs> Good in them, but they're not. You know, um, <laughs> I would. You know, it'd be nice to be in like a mainstream movie. So yeah, I can fucking you know tout a credit and get some butts. Have you have you thought about doing like headshots and trying to get auditions? Uh, trust me, man. The the thing about it, like, I actually wanted to make movies for a good period there before I even got into comedy. Um, I made a short film, Dave versus the Chairs. It's on my uh, it's on my YouTube channel. Uh, you can go to YouTube slash at Mean Dave, and uh, you can find it in the list of my. I have a lot of my my podcast episodes of In the Meantime, and my current podcast is Mean Meaningful Times with Friends. And that seems to be doing pretty good in comparison to the rest of my channel. But um, in there somewhere is my very first short film called Dave versus the chairs. And it's a, it's a fun little, little uh, homage to spaghetti Westerns of me just versus some folding chairs, which is very relevant today, considering this Alabama fucking or this or whatever the fucking shit that went down in uh, over this boat, the riverboat brawl. Uh, and and some and a dude with a chair, a folding chair, got involved and started smacking some people around. It's really funny, man. There's there's some funny shit. I I should share it and say like, hey, man, these guys talking about chairs. I was there first. 
But I uh, didn't I didn't know what happened, but then I saw like a million people talking about it. I was like, oh, something happened. Funny. It's funny. It's it's stupid. I mean, it's terrible, really. But it was it was some little meted out justice. It was where some things went right for some people once for once uh, when people were behaving badly. But um, uh, so I made a movie and then the two movies that I'm in that uh, that are like full length. Well, one's a full, full length movie. The other one's kind of almost a full length movie. But I'm in a movie called Live or Die in La Honda, um, which uh, was this guy um, forgetting his last name, Jeff. I'm still Facebook friends with him. But um, it's this one dude that I met through a comedian, Jimmy Gunn. Um, and who referred me for it. And I play an alcoholic who's based on a real character in the town of Lanta. Uh, his name is Lucas, uh, who I am also Facebook friends with. Um, and uh, didn't didn't meet the guy, just played him based on the description. And apparently I nailed the role of Lucas. Um, and it's a cool movie. It's 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 got a little it's a little too heavy on the leads. There's some there's it's not it's it's I want to say. There's a lot that I like in it. And there's some stuff that if I was, I saw how it was being made and I'm like, ah, oh, these leads are kind of, they're kind of taking a little advantage of the director. And they kind of, uh, it, it, what I learned watching that movie, if I ever made a movie with any actors with experience or whatever, is you need to have a true vision from soup to nuts that you're collaborating with others on, but you need to have a final vision that like, you kind of got to play your, your, your people a little bit and you got to go on their experience, but there's only so much that their, their experience can help you if, if, and you have to have the singular vision to know what you want out of these people so that they know that they're, they're players in your hands. What I saw were, were two actors who were kind of, kind of, um, I want to say they were really, uh, uh, exercising a lot of their experience over the, you know, kind of, kind of uh uh i I wouldn't call it bullying because there was no bullying but they were definitely kind of leading the director on to think that this is how things are done and did it and i was like nah i don't i don't think so i think you know but what i realized is the director he was he was still figuring out what his movie was and his process wasn't as as strong as it needs to be if you're going to make a full-length film um but it helped him and he got he works in professional uh capacity and what he does um it's not mainstream you know work by any means but he's a really cool dude and i i liked working with him and and i like working with the other actors that i did but um what was those two about <laughs> doing this was there was one scene in the movie where uh all where the two leads they first encounter each other in the movie and i'm in i'm there at the bar this all uh this these scenes a lot of scenes take place at this uh historic bar in la honda called Applejack's. And um, you can still go to it. It's still open today out oh. there. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm there at the bar where I walk in. I think I walk in and I'm, I'm not wasted yet. Um, and I order some drinks from the bartender. I'm getting like shots or whatever the fuck. And then the other lead comes in and they have a history and they haven't seen each other in years. And so they like lock eyes and have a moment, a movie moment. And as they're having their moment, that's when I'm like, like, you know, I still ordered a drink, motherfucker. So I'm the comic relief in this moment, kind of interrupting their movie moment. And in the course of shooting this, I have like a few lines. uh, Not all of them were used, but I have some lines in it. We acted we had to be out by noon when we were shooting that scene. Right. And they had a hard like a hard schedule that they had to stick to because it's low budget. They had no they couldn't go over. 
because the bar had to be open by noon. Um, we had to be, we had to be done by noon at the bar. And so we, I could already tell as we were working out these scenes and how long they were taking to get light lit and everything else. I'm like, we're taking way too fucking long. And they still had to shoot my close-ups. And I was like, they might have to move my close-ups to another fucking day because we're getting close to the wire. And, and so we're, and we're shooting their coverage. Uh, the, you know, the, the two main leads I'm acting with them in the scene. So we're doing the scene like as a whole. And then it gets, we have like, I think I want to say like 30 minutes left, maybe 25, like, you know, less than 30 minutes. And, um, and they they need to set up to close up on my face. And that's going to take some time and get those lines. And as they're setting up, as they're doing it, the two main actors were arguing with the director about how they need to, we need to go through that scene completely as I do my lines with my close up. And, and they're arguing for it because they're arguing from an actor's perspective, saying like, he's a, he's a, he's a person in a scene and we need to do the whole scene so that he has something they were doing their best. What they were doing is they were fighting for me as an actor to have my call and response, everything to act and emote to in the scene, just as I did for them. What they didn't understand is that I'm a comedian man. I'm a cheap fucking whore. Okay. And not only that, I've made some short films, not just the one I did, but I've, I've worked on some and I've made some others. I knew what the director needed. And I was like, he just needs three close-ups of me saying three different fucking lines. And I've interacted enough with these characters. I don't need them to just spit out the lines with a few different ways, a few different takes for him to choose from. And also I'm the comic relief. I'm not a good actor. All right. I can, I'm like, so I, I end up having to interrupt their argument and be like, Hey, I really appreciate what you're doing. Um, I know he needs to hurry up and I think I know what he needs. I, uh, so, so, um, I, I, but again, I want to thank you guys for arguing for me with the scene. And they both were like, Oh, okay, dude, if you think you can, you can do this. Or, like they both were just giving me that cautionary, like, all right, we tried. Okay. So then they go, they set it up and they do three takes of three lines with my close up, And I give them three takes of exactly what, of these lines, the way I set them in the, and give them some choices emotion wise. And after I was done, these two actors, both the director was like, dude, thank you so much for doing that. Fucking love you, dude. It was exactly what he needed. And the two actors were all wide eyed, like, Oh my God, how did you do that? Do you know how difficult that was? What you just did? I'm like, what fucking played make believe. Right. It wasn't that hard. And it wasn't like it was, it wasn't like for someone who doesn't get it, I could see how that'd be hard. That would be hard. I, my character is not that deep. My motivation is just to get there and drink alcohol. And now my, and my personal motivation is just to get the scene done. So it was like, it was very easy to just make believe that what, where I was in the scene, I'm, I'm such a small piece. And that kind of shit right there was what went on through the whole production. So that's what dominates the movie. Are these, it's basically way too yeah. much to leads. Yeah. And I'm like liver die in La Honda. Just fast forward through all the shit and get to my scenes. I'm good in it. And people can watch that online? I think it's on Tubi right now. You can look it up. It's on one of the streaming services that's available. And then the other movie I'm in is called I Can't Sleep. And I think that's available on, uh, on online as well, uh, streaming. 
And that was made by a good friend, Gina Davis. Uh, she's a friend of Nina G's, uh, aspiring filmmaker, and uh, won some awards at, at some festivals. It's a cool little movie. It's like a, it's a very intimate drama between a cop and a young woman mm-hmm. that has like what meanwhile there's an extraterrestrial like aliens are landing and oh, I'm, cool. where I'm talking to the news so okay cool yeah. hey well i appreciate you being on the podcast and i gotta see some more movies what were some of the movies you recommended just for me and the audience wait watch your own episode and see i'm gonna have to go back i hate listening to myself yeah yeah well, we're going to go back. Go back. You got to learn how to edit, motherfucker. I saw you put all two fucking hours of our last conversation. <laughs> Again, get some iMovie and edit this motherfucker. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll, I'll get to work. All right, Dave. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, great talking to you, man. Thanks for having uh-huh. me. Yeah, no problem. That's the podcast. What do you think? Pretty fun? All those movies, I guarantee they're great. Dave knows his movies. Um, apparently, I thought I knew about movies, but wow. That guy is a movie buff if I've met one. And he had the, the buff arms out, the definition of a movie buff. Guy that's been the podcast, and you already know this podcast is brought to you by Silver Tongue Audio. Go to silvertongueaudio.org, and you will see my podcast there, right there, Midnight in the Bay. Turn the light off, getting a little hot. And free downloads right there. I mean, this podcast is there to help people get through their day with free content. You can check out mine, all the episodes right there at your fingertips. And then you check out Days and Disturbed. It's a fun podcast. This guy hangs out with Mary Jane and he shines light on dark subjects with a little humor, a little intelligence. I love it. Check it out. And then check out NPC Podcast. It's my favorite video game podcast. They are in the industry. All they do is video games. These guys and lady know what they're talking about it's fun it's entertaining there's humor there's great banter go check it out all at silvertongueaudio.org go there that's been the podcast follow me on instagram underscore alex woody comedy if you want to see me live i've been putting up my schedule there i'm gonna be at Cobb's comedy club august 8th which is tomorrow 8 p.m in san francisco come check me out love you silvertongue audio